RadioInfluence.com. Hey, gang, welcome to another edition of the Real Animals podcast presented by my good friends at Contender Boats. If you're looking to build that boat of a lifetime, look no further than our good friends at Contender Boats. Today, we're going to be talking with my good friend, Captain Ozzy Fisher. Those of you that follow the TV show uh, know that I've been really, really tight with Ozzy for many, many years. We've probably been filming together for about 12 years. Absolutely a beast on Florida's west coast, offshore, inshore. He's got you covered. Fishes out of the world-famous South Seas Island Resort. And uh, really, really looking forward to this chat with my good friend, Captain Ozzy Fisher. Hope you guys enjoy it. Joining me on this week's podcast, uh, Real Animals Podcast, my very good friend. Uh, if you watch the TV show, you know him probably pretty well by now. Hopefully we'll be able to dive dive into some interesting facts about our good friend, Captain Ozzy Fisher, the fish man, the Oz man, joining me today on the podcast. How are you, brother? Good, man. How you doing, Mr. Anderson? I'm good, buddy. I'm good. How was your bite this morning? It was pretty good. Yeah? We've had a good early... Yeah, we've had a good bite early, and then it's been shutting down about 8.39. But uh, I've been telling my charters, meet me at the dock at 6.30, and uh, it's been pretty much on fire. And it's almost like you can set your watch to it when the bite shuts off. Yeah, that's pretty uh that's pretty interesting, no doubt. My bite here the last couple of days on Tampa Bay's been brutal, but we're right in the middle of a full moon and that doesn't surprise me usually on a big moon like that. So let's talk, let's dive into Captain Ozzy Fisher a little bit. Um I know some people know the story, but not everybody does. Uh you you obviously you do your guiding out of one of my favorite places, the uh South Seas Island resort down there, Captiva. And your dad used to do the guiding out of there. So you've been in and around fishing and guiding your whole life, right? Why don't you lead me into that? Let's lead in with that story. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I'm pretty fortunate. Uh, my dad started guiding out of uh, South Seas in 1972. My dad moved from Martha's Vineyard to Captiva. He came here fishing one time, fell in love with it, and pretty much sold his business, and we were here in six months. Wow. Uh, I was about six months old when we moved here. I was raised in the water, and my dad really, I mean, I've always loved the fish since, you know, since I can remember. Since I can hold a fishing pole, I've loved it. You know, my dad was really, really good. It didn't matter if he did two trips, he would still take us out. You know, we were fortunate growing up on Captiva. I mean, I lived a half a mile from where he guided us. Wow. So he would get in, have the marina call our house, and my brother and I would hop on our bikes, ride it down, and we go fish the evening snook bite. I mean, that for him to have that type of passion and work that much, and I was very fortunate. And I tried to give that back to my son growing up and kids when I take fishing, because I just know how much it meant to me when my dad would take me fishing. Yeah, it's interesting to me how many... Uh how many of our stories, you know, my fellow guide buddies, uh, people I know in the industry that, uh, this, this, this story kind of starts the same way for a lot of us, our fathers, our grandfathers, our uncles, somebody in our family tree, uh, you know, had a passion for fishing and, and thank God they took the time to pass it along to, to the rest of us. That's, uh, that's a pretty, uh, a pretty cool thing. Now I got to ask you because I think one of the most interesting parts of, Ozzy Fisher for me is that I meet a lot of guys, Ozzy, who are really, really good inshore 
and I meet a lot of guys who are really, really good offshore. But I'm I'm always really blown away by your ability to fish both so well. Was that something that your father did too? Was he offshore and inshore, or did you just you know start snook fishing and just gradually grow your way to the offshore scene? I mean, how did that come about? No, my dad was incredibly talented. Um, he did both. I mean, there was no there was no guys fishing here for grouper, and he just ventured out and. He used to use the old flasher. He would use a compass and a wristwatch, and he would pretty much be able to find a spot. Wow. And he used to take me to do that and give you a little story about my dad. He had a customer here that used to own one of the largest banks in England, and he called my dad up. He knew he was from Martha's Vineyard and said, I'd like to go try doing this bluefin tuna. And dad's like, well, I've never really done it. He goes, well, I got faith in you. Well, they leased the boat, and my dad went up there for the season, and by the end of the season, my dad had caught more bluefin tuna than any other boat. Wow. So that's how, so I made it for him. I was 13 years old, and that happened. So um, I got to experience a lot. I mean, we would go down to the Keys, and, you know, a lot of people go fishing, your dad would take them, but the key is paying attention. And I was probably a little bit of a pain in the ass. You know, I was always asking questions. (laughs) <laughs> but I really paid attention to what was going on. And so when I started doing my own, I, it just, it came to me. And it's always come easy. It's, I wish baseball came as easy as fishing did to me because I'd be retired by now. But, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but it, it's something I've always, it's something my dad passed on to me. It was just a gift. I, I mean, I can travel anywhere and I can normally figure it out within a day. You know, it's just something i was just blessed with and i'm fortunate to do something i love and you know it's it's funny a lot of guys as you know as well as i do mike love fishing then they get into guiding and then they start disliking it you know it becomes a job but i'm fortunate i've been guiding 23 years and i still love it yeah that is uh that is a blessing and and you can you know we, we we end up fishing together a couple times a year filming shows um and obviously we talk even more than that but but it's one of the things I've always liked about you. And we've been filming shows together for, I just finished season 13. So we've been filming shows together for 12 years, probably. Um, yeah. And it, it's always been an amazing thing to me. And that's why I always try to, you know, it's why I call on you so much to film a show because you're so passionate about it. You have seemed to have, so we have fun when we're doing it together. I know we're going to have a good time. Even if we have a lousy bite, we'll still have a good time doing it. And I think that's one of the reasons you, you know, stay so busy down there is because I think families that fish with you continue to come back to you because you have so much fun doing what you're doing for a living. Oh, yeah. If people, it's like anything. If you go to a doctor or you go to anybody, you need their burns out on their job. It, you see through it. Right. And if, I tell people, I'm not always going to catch you the best fish, but I want to make sure you have a great time. Sure. And that's what people remember. If you're a jerk on the boat or you're miserable, that's what people remember. They might remember, <laughs> yeah, I caught these fish, but they're going to remember, I didn't have much fun with this guy. Right. Exactly. So, and I try to, like, it's funny, like, I started fishing these kids, and now I'm fishing them with their young ones. I'm like, that's what makes you feel old. Right. But, <laughs> but you know, it's funny. I'll get these kids who are like, I never really fished. We came on vacation. My dad put the charter, and you started taking it. We loved it. Now I'm trying to do my kid. Yeah. And I try to, I tell parents to bring their kids. I said, listen, 
you and your son or your daughter might have disagreements or throughout your life, but one thing you can always share is if you get in fishing together, you can share something your entire life. There's not many other things you can share like that together. Right. And you can only play baseball so long. You can only play football so long. But if you grow up and you fish and you do something with your dad, you can do that as long as you guys are on earth together, as long as you have good health. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. So, uh, so, so tell me about, uh, I was, I was doing some homework on you and, and looking into your bio and, uh, how many tournament wins do you have? Do you know? Do you have a calculated number? Know. It's got to be a lot. Nope. I stopped counting. <laughs> I stopped counting a while ago. I, you know, I was like, I used to keep track, and then I started to realize, you know, if I keep a number, like, am I going to get to a certain number where I'm happy? So I'm a competitive person. I'm like, so I just stopped counting. I'm like, I want to win the next term I'm in. And then I, I just, like you hear in football, move on to the next one. Sure. I just I kind of forget about it and move on to the next one. But... If I had to guess, I don't know, it's somewhere over 50, 50, 60, I don't know, maybe more, maybe nice. less. Well, that's a good problem to have if you can't remember exactly how many you've won. That's a bonus. Let's let's touch on uh, your estuary down there in uh, West Central Florida, Southwest Central Florida, I guess, uh, Captiva, Sanibel, uh, Port Charlotte, that whole area, Boca Grande. Uh, so, uh, as a lot of people know, and maybe some people don't know, obviously you guys were beat up pretty bad by uh, Red Tide last year. And um, let's talk about that a little bit and, and how you've seen things recover, Ozzy. What do things look like now? Here we are, you know, a little over a year out. Um, it was, that's way to describe it, it was probably catastrophic, especially around Captiva. But our water is beautiful right now. We have more bait than I've seen in years. We just had the best tarpon season in probably 15, 20 years. So That's from cool. that aspect, it's great. Our trout, snook, and reds, I bet you we lost probably 80% of our trout, probably 50% of our snook, and 40% of our redfish. But we're still having good fishing. You just have to, I have to run a little bit more and fish a little bit harder. Right. But with the clean water, people come here now, it's like, I've never seen the water this pretty. I mean, it is gorgeous. And we normally start getting that tannic water stain. Well, we haven't had it this year because they haven't done much, any really of the releases. And, I mean, the bay is thriving right now, which is really good to see. Yeah, that's good to hear. I, I just uh, I just had an opportunity to uh, view the last show that we shot. Uh, which airs actually airs this week on Fox Sun Sports. And uh, some of the drone footage that was in the show is absolutely spectacular uh, because the estuary down by you is so clean and so pretty. The water's in such great shape. It, uh, it really showed a lot of the bottom from the drone footage. And uh, it, it's really, really neat. So I'm anxious for that show. comes out later this week, and um, I'm anxious for everybody to see that. Obviously, it'll air on World Fishing Network, Fox Sun Sports, WMOR, Tough TV, and YouTube America. So I think that's uh, that's going to be pretty cool. I think you'll be fired up when you see it. I put a little notification on the uh, 
Instagram and Facebook pages for Real Animals just so people would know what time to watch it on Fox Sun Sports there. And uh, I think you're going to be pretty excited about it. I think that estuary is bouncing back. I think it's interesting, and I've been hearing the same reports up here, that you guys have excellent bait, and the bait on Tampa Bay is terrible. Yeah, I, th- I mean, it's everywhere, Mike. I and mean, it's been like that since about March. Now, thread fins and, or thread fins and pilchards or pilchards or? every We have thread fins, pilchards, uh, sardines, uh, red minnows. I mean, it just, if it stays like this, this fall is going to be probably one of the best falls we've ever had. No kidding. Uh, we had we had one about four years ago where we had a, a kind of a summer like this, and we had the bait, and the fall was just outstanding. We caught tarpon all the way till Christmas. We had, I mean, I was averaging five, six cobia a trip, kingfish a half mile off the beach. I mean, it was insane, and I think it's leading up to that the way I see the bait. Well, people don't understand how interesting and how integral that piece of the puzzle is. I mean, you got to have the bait. The whole fishing thing starts with the bait. If the bait's not there, they're not going to set up camp for very long. They're going to come in and come and go, you know, because they got to be wherever the wherever the McDonald's is. That's where they're going to they're going to set up camp. Yeah, I think what happened, you know, we had so much fresh water release, so much bad water. Everything stayed offshore about 70, about 70 feet. That's when the water got clean. But you would get out there and there'd be all this bait and life. While the water being so clean, it's all moved in and it stayed. And it's just flourishing. And as you know, the bait grows. You'll catch a two to three inch filters. And within a couple months, they're five inches. They right. go very fast. Yeah, real quick. Well, I hope it grows quick because we just had a serious hatch on Tampa Bay and we got fry bait everywhere. Um, oh, no, we have that too, in which that happens every summer. Sure. But that's good because that means by fall, you'll be, I mean, you'll be catching beautiful pilchards right. everywhere. Right. But we have the fry, we have bait mid-size, big bait. It just all depends what you want for your charter. And it's been, it, thank God we needed it. <laughs> last year was, a, last summer was a struggle. So, uh. It's funny how things can turn around pretty quickly. Well, we, you know, I've said it for years uh, on both radio shows that, you know, Mother Nature is so resilient. She seems to recover herself so well. Um, you know, we have these freezes and these red tides and some of these tragedies that hit our estuaries. And somehow, some way, Mother Nature seems to turn things around and get things on the right track again. It's absolutely unbelievable to me. It really is. Yeah. He- you know, one thing I've seen, and I haven't, I think the last time I saw this was about 2010 when we had that big freeze and we lost all our snook. Yeah. I'm catching snook now that are 23, 24 inches, and they're fat as butterballs. They're in full spawn mode. We're typically, in years past, those fish weren't spawning. They still remained males. And, you know, you start seeing about 26, 27, they start getting that belly full of roe. And I think these fish know, like, we got to get going here. We got, we need to help ourselves. So I'm seeing snook that you normally, a fish would weigh three to four pounds, weighing six, six, six and a half, maybe seven pounds, just fat as, you know, all get out because they're all full of eggs. Yeah, that, that is a good thing, though. The more of those eggs we can get released into the estuary that make it, you know, the better off we're going to be. There's no doubt oh, about yeah. it. Yeah. And that happened after, in you know, 2010, which that probably hit our snook population more than 
anything. That summer, we had a tremendous amount of snooks move into our passes. You know, they move into our passes to spawn. We're having the same thing this year. We haven't had this many snook in our passes in several years. And I don't know where these fish were in the springtime, but we didn't have them, and they've all of a sudden just showed up. And, you know, as you've seen on Facebook and Instagram, I mean, I'm catching, I've caught more 40-inch snook this year than I have probably in the last three years combined. Really? That's great. That's good news. Yeah, that's good news. That's good. I'm glad the estuary is bouncing back. A couple of tips. Uh, Let's dive into um, some things you think the recreational angler could do to maybe help themselves a little more. The first one that comes to my mind, and then I'm going to let you run with it, is attention to detail. Because just in this conversation alone, I just keep thinking to myself, your attention to detail, Ozzy, is absolutely incredible. And I know from fishing with you that that's one of the things that separates you from everybody else. I think it's a big reason that you can no longer keep track of how many tournaments you've won is because of your attention to the details. But what are what are some things people can do to help themselves catch more fish? Well, number one, I tell people, if you start catching fish in a spot, don't just say, oh, they're here. Try to figure out why they're there. And when you can start figuring out that puzzle a little bit, it helps you with other spots. It just starts, it's like the puzzle starts coming together. Like the reason the snook are in the passes and they're in these deep holes is for one, to get out of the current, two, they wait for the alcohol and tide to bait the flush, and three, to spawn. So if you can figure out, all right, these deeper ledges are right here and there, and you can start targeting those, you're going to catch more fish. The other thing is pay attention to water quality. Uh, color, which, you know, we get really clear water, and it's kind of difficult to catch our snook. So a lot of times you go scale down your leader, go to smaller hooks, and then if you see those fish there and you can't really get them to eat, well, if you get a blow and the water gets a little gritty, go back to that spot. Those fish will eat. So, again, it's paying, you know, paying attention to the surroundings and attention, like you said, the detail and little things. And the other thing is pay attention to the bait. Like, if you're red fishing and you're going to the mangroves, if I don't see redfish moving along the trees, I don't even fish it. I move on to where I see light. And I, as you know, as well as I do, redfish, if you don't see mullet, most times there's, there's not redfish there. Or if you have little minnows not there, there's not life. The redfish typically aren't there. Our, our estuary here in Tampa, this whole year, if there hasn't been mullet there, you don't even have to stop and fish. You could be snook. Oh, you could be snook fishing, red fishing, trout fishing. I don't care what you're doing. If there's not mullet on that flat, there's nothing there. They've oh, gone. They've gone hand in hand. Yeah, they've gone hand in hand. If you find the big schools of mullet, you'll find plenty of game fish. I'm actually up with when I'm targeting redfish right now. You know, it's a great time of year to get redfish underneath the mangroves. Um, you know, they go up there on the high tide. They get up underneath for shade. But I'll go and go along an island. I stay way out so I don't spook anything, and I just kind of watch. If I don't see mullet and little minnows getting showered, I don't. I just move on to the next one. And people ask me, "How do you know there's not fish here?" I'm like, "Trust me, there's not fish here." I mean, there probably could be a couple, but the groups of fish are hanging with our mullet and the little fry bait around the trees. Sure, sure. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. That's interesting. Hmm. Well. Um, Ozzy, I want to I want to touch on something else here real quick. Those are great tips that you're uh, you're sharing with everybody. I try to tell everybody attention to detail is 
you know, the difference between the Aussie Fishers and the, you know, the Captain Jamie Goodwins of the world and, and the other people that I fish with. The best of the best seem to pay the most attention to the smallest details and it seems to really work out good for them. Um, let me, I want to ask you because of all that's gone on now in Southwest Florida with Okeechobee and the water and all that stuff. Um, how do you think things are going? Captains for Clean Water, obviously, you know, in the game doing what they can do to uh, to help us with that problem. You know, we've got, like you said, now we have these water conditions are improving. Are you noticing that all the way south of you? Or is that just in your area? Do you think there's something going on there with Okeechobee that's working in our favor now? Oh, uh, definitely it's in our favor. And not to make your podcast political, but this governor we have, has jumped on it from day one, and that's been huge. But I also think, you know, a lot of people were not paying much attention or didn't even care. The water quality was so bad last year. People don't even fish. They start seeing their property values drop a little bit. It got everybody involved. It kind of was like a wake-up call. And it wasn't just the fishermen, you know, with their fists in the air, shaking it, you know. Now, when you have people, the hotels, the restaurants, when it started affecting everybody, I think everybody kind of got involved and started realizing this is a pretty something pretty special we have. We better preserve it because if we don't, we're going to lose it and we're going to lose everything we have in our way of life. Yeah. And Caps for Clean Water is very good. They've, they've um, created a lot of awareness and uh, those guys have done a great job. I mean, CCA, everybody got involved. Every, everything, everybody has gotten involved to make things better. And the whole thing is we cannot forget, though. You can't say, well, the water's so beautiful now and kind of like, oh, and everything's good. It's just what is a small glint. We have to maintain it. Right. Yeah, we have to make sure we don't fall back into this issue again. And you don't have to worry about making uh, the podcast political. It's my podcast. And I would immediately stand and take my hat off for everything that Ron DeSantis has done, because this is the stuff he said he was going to do while he was running. And all he's done is exactly what he said he was going to do. He was going to attack this clean water problem head on. Um, and to me, that seems like what he's done. He's put both feet into that, into that problem. And he's, you know, kicking some keister and taking some names and hopefully, you know, everybody will just kind of stay out of the way and let him continue to do the things he needs to do to get that part of our state, the water down there, you know, in the right direction today and into tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, the best, number one thing he did, one of the best things he did was change the Southwest Florida Water Management District. He came in and said, either resign or I'm firing you. <laughs> I loved because it. Because <laughs> that was... A, that, yeah, it was awesome because that was a big problem. Yeah. I mean, we'd, we'd be at these water management meetings, you'd have scientists, everything else, and it was just, it was falling on deaf ears. And I think he saw that. And, you know, like I said, we just need to stay on top of it and just hope things remain the same because we're all, everything will flourish. Our businesses will flourish, the wildlife will flourish. It's good for everything. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Well, let's talk about offshore a little bit. And again, I, I said earlier, you know, you're one of those guys that, uh, in my opinion, just amazes me with your ability to be so strong offshore and so strong inshore. Um, the offshore fishery, and I, because I follow you on all your social media, I see you dabbling a little bit here and a little bit there. Um, so I see you with some big fish from the offshore world. Tell me, Ozzy, what's your favorite offshore fish to target and why? 
Oh, my favorite offshore fish target. God. Put you uh, on the spot. Put you on the spot, kid. You know what my favorite thing to do is? It's not here. Go down. The, I have a customer. I go down, run his boat, and go kite fishing for sailfish. Really? Because it just. Yeah, that's probably my favorite thing to do, just because it's so technical, and you, know, you got to get the kites near the bait position. You're always doing something, and it's almost like an art, and it's a challenge. And that's probably my favorite thing to do. But if I had two things fish off here, definitely big gag groupers. And one of my favorite things to do, is, which I did with you, is live chum, big kingfish, and throw uh, artificial lures at them. That was I fun. Mean, the strike, yeah. the explosion, and I really enjoy that. You know, anything that's a little bit different, a little bit of a challenge, it tends to, you know, trigger my interest a little bit. Because you got to challenge yourself. Yeah, you get a little bored if you don't go to work every day trying to be better than you were yesterday. That was one of my favorite sh- one of my favorite shows we ever did with you, which is is really hard to say because I I've caught forty inch snook with you and I've done many different amazing things, big redfish, big speckled trout. We've done all kinds of great, great shows together, tarpon. Um, but that show where we had the kingfish chummed up behind the boat, we were catching them on artificial, and then just decided to go see if the permit were there and ran into that school of 1,500 permit on one piece, just all up in the column, tailing under the boat. It was crazy, just crazy. Um, that was oh, a that was a fun day. That's probably the best show we've done. Well, I mean, we've had some really good shows. I mean, so, I don't think people realize that um, we did that in about two and a half hours. Yeah, that one was a quick one. That was unbelievable. I remember the look when I talk about that show with people because people ask me about that episode, and I tell people. I said, I couldn't believe what I was seeing when we saw that many permit on one piece. I'd never seen anything like it. And I knew it was special when I looked over at Ozzy and Ozzy, whose father used to guide out of South Seas, who's, in my opinion, one of the best guides on the entire West Coast of Florida. When Ozzy's standing there with his mouth and his eyes wide open, just like I am, I'm like, yeah, this is crazy. This is not just me seeing something that's uh, crazy. This is Ozzy seeing something that's crazy. This is crazy. That was a lot of permit on one spot. It was crazy. I st- I've still never seen that many since that show before. I mean, it was hard. The drone got a decent idea of how many, but they didn't realize. I don't think people realized that was just one of the schools. Right. It wasn't all. <laughs> right. it was just- there was three, I mean, it was, didn't matter what direction we went, there was permit, and there could have been more than 1,500, I don't know, but it was, it was a lot. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, it was, if it was every day like that, it wouldn't be much of a challenge. Well, and the funny, nice, funny part is we had six crabs, and we caught six permit. Yeah. You and yeah, I. It was, so, it, was, it was on March 1st. I'm like, yeah, it's so early. I don't know, Mike. <laughs> right. yeah. like, this will be there early, so I caught them, and we'll go take a chance. It's been, we had a warm spring, and and uh, the Lord blessed us. Yeah. Everything went our way. I mean, one of my favorite we did was definitely the first show I did with you. Yeah, that was a classic. Where, you know, you get two 40-inch snook on film, you and Billy, but my grouper, the grouper show I did where I, we chummed them up, and the first big one, you break the rod and you still land the fish. <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> that, we got we did that show. We got that one done in about an hour. That was pretty. That was pretty special. That was a striking KVD swim and caffeine shed. You made me put down on the first one. Remember, you dropped the sandballs yeah. to get it all chummed up like they do in the Keys, and uh, and then uh, that big grouper <laughs> broke the rod off. Yeah, that was a uh, that was a classic. That was a classic. We've had we've had some dandies, my friends, and hopefully we'll have uh, we'll have some more here. Uh, in the future as well. I uh, I really, really appreciate you spending some time with me today, Ozzy. Um, South Seas Island Resort, uh, before I completely let you go, let's talk a little bit about that. How did, When you started guiding, did you start running trips out of South Seas right away? I did. I did. Nice. Um, you know, I had the end, my dad. Yeah, so right. I <laughs> hadn't brought a guide in in like 12 years, and... They brought me in. My dad was able to pull some strings, but those guys, they all, all the guys knew me. I mean, I've had my own boat in the marina since I was 12. So, I mean, heck, I used to catch some of those guys' baits. So, arms and, but I was also smart enough to be humble around them. You know, as you know, we get a lot of young guys, you know, down in their chest, but uh, I knew that I had enough sense to, show those guys respect that, that they deserve that, you know, for the amount of time and they've been on the water. Yeah. And, uh, it, it, it was a smooth and I was welcomed and everything's been great since then, you know? Yeah. I'm such a huge, such a huge fan of South Seas Island Resort. Uh, just the, the marinas, the, uh, I've had my family stay there, you know, the, the white sand beaches, the fishing there, the golf, everything about it is absolutely incredible. So I'm going to put that shameless plug in the podcast. Just, uh, obviously if you, fo- if you follow the podcast and you follow the, the TV show, you know how much I love South Seas Island Resort, and I hope to be able to film there for many, many years to come. Captain Ozzy Fisher, we really appreciate you uh, spending some time with us today. I know you're on the water this morning, so I appreciate you uh, taking your ride home and, and checking in with us, doing this podcast with us, and uh, I look forward to fishing with you soon. Make sure you tell your brother Nick I said hello. And, uh, I will. You know, that's a, that's something else too. You know, you, you and your brother have done a great job. Your brother Nick has turned into a fabulous charter captain. Your dad cut some beasts loose on that place when, uh, he cut you two loose down there. And, uh, I feel really blessed to, uh, call you guys my friends and I appreciate the, uh, the days we get to spend on the water, my friend. Well, thank you, Mike. And I appreciate, um, all the love you showed our way and the loyalty. It means a lot. And, uh, I appreciate you, brother. Have a great day, my friend, and we'll talk soon, all right? Thanks for spending time with us. All right. Take care, Mike. Hey, gang. Hope you enjoyed that edition of the Real Animals podcast, which is, again, presented by our good friends at Contender Boats, Captain Ozzy Fisher. Again, you can kind of hear the passion in his voice, one of my favorite people to fish with. We have so much fun every single time I go down there to South Seas Island Resort and get on the boat with Ozzy, and you never know what you're going to catch. The guy is so talented offshore and inshore. It's just really, uh, really spectacular. It really blows my mind that one guy can be so good at both, but uh, just a great opportunity opportunity to spend a little time with the Ozman. We hope you learned a thing or two. Again, the Real Animals podcasts are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, and ritampabay.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review. And if there's anybody out there you'd like to hear us do a podcast with, you can reach us 
uh, through realanimals.com. Send me an email there, or you can reach me through Facebook at Facebook slash Real Animals. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Real Animals TV, and you can also follow us on Twitter at Real Animals Fish. Have a great day. We appreciate you tuning in. Looking for studios in the Tampa Bay area to record your podcast? Radio Influence can help. With two studios on either side of the bay, Radio Influence has you covered. Engineered and produced by longtime radio professionals, achieve the excellence in podcasting that you and your listeners deserve. For more information or to schedule studio time, email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. Radio Influence, the future is now.